0: Thank you and enjoy today's message.
1: Hey everybody, I trust you well. Huge love and blessings upon you. In a few moments I want to talk to you about gnat issues and camel swallowers. Uh, just before we get there, um, just a little word to our uh, church community from Kew uh sorry we're not able to get together well in essence probably we are able to get together but have chosen not to particularly after having had three weeks that were great but then the mask issue came in the compulsory wearing of masks and we felt that we did not want to put you through the discomfort of sitting for an extended period of time uh, having to wear a mask with all that goes along with that Um, If you have a different opinion on that, different idea, and uh, maybe you would like to meet in some form, even though you would have to wear a mask, uh, please let us know. We're open to conversation and uh, input on this issue. Also, let me just uh, remind you of something I've kept saying all the way through. If you know of anybody who needs some help and assistance that we can care for, we're trying to keep tabs um, on the fringes of things, then please, uh, please do let us know so that we can become... Involved. One of the interesting observations that struck me many years ago uh, about the life and ministry of Jesus, and also uh, um, the ministry of, of Paul the apostle, uh, was how little we are shown in the narrative of Scripture that they preached or taught in the way that we have become familiar with in. Uh, in our um, church environment and and recent history. Um, So when you look at their lives and you look at the the narrative that's written about them, you do not find either Jesus or Paul uh, choosing a a Bible verse or a scripture, reading the scripture, uh, picking out a key verse, expounding the verse, uh, you know, and then giving appeal, taking an offering, surrounding it with very nice music, whatever, you, you just you just don't see it. Now, some of you might say, well, that's because it's not recorded that way, but there is not even an inference or implication that that is the way that they presented the message that they wished to convey to the people. Um, the most common way that Jesus seemed to do it was by using what we know as parables. Now, of course, because we now have parables written in what we know as the New Testament, We can assume that Jesus was preaching from Scripture or the parables that we have, then Paul wouldn't have had most of those because he didn't have the written text of the Scripture anyway. So you've got all this stuff going on that what I'm trying to convey is that their communication of the revelation they had and the experience that they had engaged in uh, was coming from a much more organic place on the inside of, of, of a developing understanding of what it means, what it meant to, to be human, what it meant to be part of the family of, of humanity, what it meant to, to uh, get a handle on and know the divine, to know God, the character and nature, um, what the whole issue and mystery of the Christ presence was. All of this was going on organically and expressed in ways that we would not necessarily now see as, as preaching. Um, and so I want to uh, do the same today. And uh, to do it, I want to bring you what I think is a is the parable of the moment. Might even be the parable of the month or the parable of the the whole year of 2020, which has been spinning around in my head and uh, on the inside for weeks. And uh, I've been looking for an opportunity to piece some thoughts together around it so that I could bring it to you. And I think you will see the relevance of it. Hopefully. Uh, as soon as I read it and so this is my parable it's actually a nursery rhyme there was an old lady who swallowed a fly I don't know why she swallowed a fly perhaps she'll die there was an old lady who swallowed a spider that wriggled and wiggled and tiggled inside her she swallowed the spider to catch the fly I don't know why she swallowed the fly perhaps she'll die there was an old lady who swallowed a bird. How absurd to swallow a bird. She swallowed the bird to catch the spider that wriggled and wiggled and tingled inside her. She swallowed the spider to catch the fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. There was an old lady who swallowed a cat. Fancy that to swallow a cat. She swallowed the cat to catch the bird. She swallowed the bird to catch the spider that wriggled and wiggled and tiggled inside her she swallowed the spider to catch the fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll die. There was an old lady who swallowed a dog. What a hog to swallow a dog. She swallowed the dog to catch the cat. She swallowed the cat to catch the bird. She swallowed the bird to catch the spider that wriggled and wiggled and tickled inside her. She swallowed the spider to catch the fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll die. There was an old lady who swallowed a goat. She just opened her throat and swallowed a goat. She swallowed the goat to catch the dog. She swallowed the dog to catch the cat. She swallowed the cat to catch the bird. She swallowed the bird to catch the spider that wriggled and wiggled and tiggled inside her. She swallowed the spider to catch the fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. There was an old lady who swallowed a cow. I don't know how she swallowed a cow. She swallowed the cow to catch the goat. She swallowed the goat to catch the dog. She swallowed the dog to catch the cat. She swallowed the cat to catch the bird. She swallowed the bird to catch the spider that wriggled and wiggled and tiggled inside her. She swallowed the spider to catch the fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. There was an old lady who swallowed a horse. She's dead, of course. I think this is a fantastic parable about not only where we find ourselves in life uh, at the moment, in our surroundings and the environment and all that's going on, uh, but also in the way that we handle uh, the circumstances and issues of life. How we can go from, yes, the challenge, yes, the discomfort, yes, the concern of swallowing the fly, whatever that represents, and yes, even with that, It said she might die but maybe the death was going to be because of the reaction to the fly. So I think you can see there is an application here on uh, on many fronts that takes us in such a direction that uh, needs addressing. See if we spend our time reacting to the latest circumstance we will always end up on a path of more destructive consequence. Anything started from a basis of fear will always create reactions that are not conducive to healthy outcomes. Now, now, to the casual observer, the approach to solving the perceived problem for this woman who swallowed the fly becomes more and more absurd. I and mean, why you would think that, that a goat would catch a dog or a cow would catch a goat or a horse, you know. But, but the absurdity of this is being illustrated that once we get in a process of trying to fix and cover up the last thing that we did, because of something that was missing in the process, it gets more and more absurd. And, but to the participator, he looks like the obvious and sensible next step. You know, if you're if you're in the story, why wouldn't you now swallow a goat or a cow or a horse? Totally absurd looking on, and yet all of us have been there in trying to fix, uh, mediate, correct, um, uh, um, eradicate, things that we have engaged with, then the next thing actually, instead of correcting it, just makes it worse, and then we're having to cover our tracks to try and make ourselves look as though we're doing the next sensible, Thing. I am going to say nothing about the current handling of the situation but I think you get my drift. So, so wh- why, why, why does this happen? Well, we, we get caught in a destructive cycle of trying to fix a problem that we created by our fear-driven reaction to what is initially a source of discomfort rather than an arbinger of doom. And when that fear-driven reaction comes in, it it, it exasperates the problem. Um, Again, just for your your consideration in the current situation that we find ourselves in, wherever you sit in that equation, um, if you know anything about the psychology of stampede, you cannot but um, let at least some interest float that way to say, I wonder, because, you see, when a herd stampedes, it's not because the herd got together, had a discussion, um, and, uh, you know, they all came to a a consensus and a conclusion. Uh, What happens is just one or two members of the herd think they have become aware or may have become aware of something that is perceived to be a danger, a risk, a threat. It, it may be real. It, it, it may not be real. It may just be rustling in the bushes. I don't know. But but something, we use the word, something spooked them. The problem is once those first one or two animals have been spooked, what happens is they react to what they perceive is present and dangerous, and they then begin to run from that. And of course, the surrounding animals think, "What? What? What's going on? Why are we doing this?" Well, well, they're running. So, so there must be a reason to run. So, run, run, everybody, run, everybody. And before you know what's happening, the whole herd are stampeding across the prairie. Um, the great majority of the herd have no idea why. All they know is everybody else is running, so we better run. And the ones who got spunk keep running, and until they stop, the whole thing just keeps going. Somebody has to have the courage to say, Whoa, stop, just wait a minute. But you see, this idea of stampeding herd comes from the same uh, root of the wisdom that is engaged within this parable. Of the woman, old lady who swallowed the the fly. See, perspective is a great leveler of extremes, uh, and that's where I want to drive you today. Perspective is a great leveler of extremes. There's there's a statement in 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 the Bible narrative that says, "Be still and know that I am God." I don't think it's a ignore the problem and check out of the realities of life statement. I think rather it's the wisdom to take a moment to reflect and gain some perspective on the real rather than the perceived threat. Learn this. It's not just what you're looking at that matters, but where you're looking from. Because where you're looking from will change your perspective on what you're looking at. And if I'm honest, I, I think the great the great root of what we would know as the good news message, the gospel message, the good news message, is very much about changing one's perspective, where you're looking from, because where you're looking from will affect your perspective of what you're looking at. So whether that thing is, coronavirus, whether that thing is Brexit, whether that thing is is God, whether that thing is the life and ministry of Jesus, whether that thing is this thing that the church calls sin, whether that thing is you and your worth and your value and your identity, whatever that thing is, where you're looking from will affect what you're looking at or at least your perception of what you're looking at. So so for me, the whole reason for me doing what I do is to try and change your position, to change your, your, your direction of view so that where you're looking from gives you a different perception of what you're looking at. It may not change what you're looking at in the sense that it's still there and it's still real, but it sure will change your perception of what you're looking at. And when your perception changes of what you're looking at, your attitude will change. Your strength will change. uh, Your mind will change. Everything about you will change. And in that environment, there is a greater creative energy that um, has the potential and the possibility to begin to change the situation that you're looking at, whether you want to call that a miracle or whatever. Uh, that is absolutely the truth and that, that's why I do what I do and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today, OK? It's not just where you're looking at that matters, but where you're looking from. Now, the truth is one cannot separate perception from the information given regarding any situation so so the information we are given or receive regarding any situation will will we we can't separate that from our perception that's why uh, for some people maybe for many people watching the news reading the papers uh, avidly following uh, um social media may not be the healthiest thing to do because separating perception from the information given on any situation is, is is extremely difficult. But because we still have to face information coming to us, the question would be, how do we then measure the information to which we are given access? And I would say this would be the rule, by giving it perspective. You have to take what you hear and what you see and give it some perspective. If you give it some perspective, what I mean is, If you change where you're looking from, it will change your perception of what you're looking at. Are you getting it? Okay. If I look from a position, for example, at God of being worthless, useless, without value, depraved, then my perception of God is going to be one who has to pity me but who is disappointed at the root of it with me or even angry and judgmental towards me. But if I, for example, change where I'm looking from, that where I'm looking from is that actually, yeah, there may be weaknesses in me, but but at the end of the day, I was made in the image of God. And I am loved and I am accepted and I belong. And all provision necessary for me is already there in the environment in the universe, in the world, in my life, then what I perceive when I look at God will be a totally different image. I will see a, a kindness, a grace, a mercy, a love, an interaction, an involvement, a father, a fatherhood in the best sense of that word that applies to me. So should you get what I'm saying? So So how do we measure the the, 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 the information to which we give an access? in that criteria of where you're looking from changes the perception of what you're looking at here's how we do it by giving it perspective so so here would be my very simple viewpoint of giving it perspective how does this look against the bigger canvas of everything if i now get the focus off just that thing and i can move back or move away um how does that look against the bigger canvas of everything? Is it as devastating, as bad, as terrible, um, as 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 um, unfixable as I first thought when I looked at it? I, I guarantee you, if you get a bigger perspective, uh, then then by by looking at things against the bigger canvas of everything, then then that is already going to change uh, your perception of the whole situation I like the way that Jesus wanted to pull people to this thing he called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God it was trying to give them some perspective that hey within all this above all this under all this behind all this and through all this there is still something at work that has kept all of this working from for billions of years and is continue to make it work and that um, our survivability even in our own lives as individuals, is much higher than sometimes we conceive or perceive. When we're in the middle of a situation and we just swallowed the fly, (coughs) and our temptation is to find a spider to swallow to catch the fly and then find a bird because we now need a bird to catch the spider. And we've already tripled the issue uh, because of the basis from which we came and and because of the fear that we allowed to settle in because we wouldn't be still and know that he is God to know a divine presence to know a bigger picture to know a bigger context to all of this so how do we give it perspective you look against the bigger canvas of everything Uh, here's the second one the question how does this stand up under close examination you know we're so ready to swallow what we are told uh, without actually closely looking at it and you know that it's been part of the premise of of why we, even in our transition to become Q Church, have have wanted to express this. That how does this stand up under close examination? How do the theories and concepts, and beliefs and um, Uh, and doctrines stand up under close examination? Are they really dogmas? What are they? How do we, can we look at this? So how do we give it perspective? How does this look against the bigger canvas of everything? How does this stand up under close examination? That's, if you want to summarise that, that's what I call the macro and the micro. You have to take a macro view and a micro view. Both of them lift you away from just your immediate view of a situation. The five that you swallowed. One of the words that people use is, I couldn't see the wood for the trees. Uh, it's the same kind of thing we're talking about here. Another way of putting it is the telescope and the microscope. The telescope allows us to see the beyond, okay, past and beyond uh, what is just visible in front of us. The microscope allows us to see within what is under and within. And when you take those two views, I would um, I would challenge anybody not to have a perception of the situation that becomes much more healthy than the fear-driven one that makes us swallow a spider and swallow a bird and swallow a cat and swallow a dog uh, until ultimately we don't know how to get out of what it is we're in. Because you, know, you do understand that the moral of the story that's being pushed is that once you've swallowed the cat, then you're trying to fix that, so you swallow the dog. And once you've swallowed the dog, you're trying to fix that, so you swallow... So we're always trying to fix the thing. And sadly, uh, I think for many of you, I apologise that so much of the way that church doctrine, Christian doctrine has been portrayed, has been that fix this, fix this. And then and then we want to justify why we swallowed the spider uh, and and find a, 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 a verse that will support us. And then we want to justify why we swallowed the bird... Now, I want to justify why we swallowed the cat and justify why we swallowed the dog. and be- Before you know what's happening, we're so far removed from the reality of the situation and we've even taken uh, what should be the beautiful gospel into the realms of absurdity when you begin to look at the perspective against the bigger canvas of everything, close examination, macro, micro, the telescope of the beyond, the microscope of the within. And uh, the problem is as well, the loss of perspective when that comes in our life and in our experience creates uh, something known as the three P's. Uh, personal, pervasive and permanent. When, when we lose perspective, we... we we take things and see things and engage with things on a, on a very personal perspective. You know, it's just me against the universe. It's just me against this thing, or it's bound to be me, and why does this always happen to me? The whole personal thing comes, and, and pervasive means that we see that this thing will pervade every area of our lives. You know, there will be nothing left untouched. And then permanent means that we cannot see that this will ever end. This is how things will always be. The three P's, it becomes personal, we make it pervasive, and then we believe it to be permanent. And a lot of that has come because our perspective is not what it should be. Remember what we said earlier, so important, that um, uh, uh, that um, it's not just what you're looking at that matters but where you're looking from. That's why then Jesus, oh here, we're dropping the verse in here. That's why Jesus, Matthew 23, 24, said to these um, religious people who were making and pushing the agenda, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. That's Jesus's short version of there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. Okay, this is the short version. Uh, the Jesus version, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Now, isn't it sad that even Jesus had to acknowledge that the people who were straining out the gnat but swallowing the camel were the guides that the people had accepted as their guides and who had pushed themselves to be the guides, qualified as the guides, and yet they were, in, in Jesus' uh, terminology, blind. Okay. They were the kind of people who would take you from the gnat problem to swallowing the horse and then you definitely got death to deal with. And so his, his a summary, his brief words on that, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. I remember one guy gave me a piece of wisdom, he said, here's the deal with all of this, learn to know the difference between a gnat and a camel because swallowing the gnat will not kill you but swallowing the camel will. I thought it was a great piece of wisdom. See, Jesus' criticism was that they'd lost all perspective and were now creating interpretations to justify what had become their developed customs and traditions, which were mostly based on misrepresented truths anyway. Or we could sit for hours and talk about how I believe um, the whole expression of understanding of Bible and Scripture and God and church and Jesus and the cross and creation have fallen foul even in in the Christian community of this very very issue that Jesus was dealing with in the Jewish community from what had been a very pure expression and revelation of a divine um journey, a learning journey uh the same thing unfortunately I believe has, has happened with us, and then uh, we develop things that 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 um are perspectives that, that are mostly based on misrepresented truths anyway, and we make those to defend those are the you know the the the, the spider to catch the gnat, the bird, you get the get the thing. See the start point that you register will determine the conclusions you draw because it dictates the trajectory and direction you take. I wonder how that well, I don't think there would have been a a fairy story parable if at the starting point right the conclusions that were drawn by the woman was this is a gnat it's aggravating it's irritating it could potentially cause problems but at the end of the day it's a gnat and if I will treat it for what it is in the full context that it should be given then what will happen is I'll save myself all that issue of all that stuff that I begin to do that begins to bring death and destruction uh, in its wake and uh, I'll come through the discomfort and we'll we'll make it and we'll we'll be okay. See see, another thing Jesus said to those people it's recorded in Mark 7 13 he said thus you nullify the word of God so so whatever that word is that that divine, spoken, present, um, all the time, here, within, part of, thing. You nullify the word of God by your tradition. So he was saying that the real deal, the, the, the real perspective, the real thing you need to get a hold of, you've put so much tradition and stuff around it. and and I'm not just blaming all of you because you have had that handed down, is what he said, that you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. So basically you make the real truth ineffectual because you've wrapped it in so many traditions, ideas, misrepresentations and whatever. And uh, I think there's the part of the warning. The start point that you register... Will determine the conclusions you draw because it dictates the trajectory and direction that you take. That's why salvations and born-agains and light bulb experiences are important recalibrators or resetters. See, without perspective, you will react in ever-increasing distortions of truth. And that applies to us, it applies to church, it applies to Christianity, it applies to ministry, it applies to governments, it applies applies to any ruling authority without perspective, you will react in ever-increasing distortions of truth. Now, a little couple words of wisdom and then I'll shut up. Threat and reward are not good setters of perspective. Let me say that again. Threat and reward are not good setters of perspective. They are behaviour control mechanisms. But this is the way that governments and authorities work. It's the way that empires work. It's the way that empirical thinking within religious communities work. It's the way much of the church structure in its institutionalisation works. Threat and reward whether it's to do with heaven and hell, whether it's to do with whether it's to do with bad and good, whether it's to do with loss and, 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 and blessing, um, whatever it is, threat and reward are not good setters of perspective. They are behaviour control mechanisms. Watch out for that. Watch it work. Whenever you see threat and reward, this is the threat. But if you'll do what we say, this is the reward. The problem is you are under a behaviour control mechanism that does not allow the freedom of the human heart and spirit that God put in there when he made us in his likeness and in his image that will allow a wisdom to come through that uh, can never be if we just... um, if we just abdicate our our um, inner responsibility and uh, and our inner unction to external forces, and I believe that even in the context of, you know, that that Jesus said, who who the Son makes free is free indeed. If He didn't come to bind us under a behavior control mechanism uh, by threat and reward to reset our perspective, He came to set us free so that something from within. Would recalibrate itself, and uh, we would then understand our oneness with God, and with all things, and understand our value and uh, our meaning and our identity, and our connection, and truly be able to uh, be an expression of of what Jesus called the kingdom of God within the world. You see, you see, threat and reward may not be good setters of perspective. They may be behavior control mechanisms, but Perspective permits the question. Perspective permits the question. Perspective permits the question. I'm trying to give you a way to glean, to gain gain perspective today because perspective permits the question. And when questions come to the fore, then we are in a position where we can receive something probably outside of the dictates of uh, what we did not feel we were allowed to think and come into that freedom. One of the things that's always been important to me that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 was that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which uh, I think translates to most people in uh, in churches that I've worked with as be transformed by the removing of your mind. No, it's by the renewing of your mind. Perspective permits the question. If I can get you some perspective today... On the whole issue of life and spirituality then it permits the question that matters let me finish with a great quote from albert einstein he said two things are infinite the universe and human stupidity and i'm not sure about the universe i love you bless you talk to you again later
0: thanks for listening to another q york podcast